Hey, it's Christy. Welcome to Do The Work. Today and every day, we'll talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences. We'll discuss what emotional work looks, sounds, and feels like in our day-to-day lives. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with your God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Welcome to Do The Work. I'm here with Courtney Reeves, who is visiting all the way from Honolulu, Hawaii. And I'm so happy to have her here. She is married to my youngest son. And some of you may be thinking, oh, this could be a train wreck fast. We're (laughs) talking about personal, intimate things with daughters-in-law or people that you love. But truthfully, I could not be more happy to be talking about real things with Courtney. And one of the things I love about her most, I love so many things about her, but one of the things I love about her most is her willingness to talk about real things. And so Courtney, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me, see. I'm so glad you're here. And I want you to introduce yourself to us. I mean, I've just introduced you a little <laughs> bit, but tell us where you're from. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us if you like or don't like your husband or your in-laws. I mean, just go ahead and share it all, Court. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, you pretty much gave my whole introduction. I don't know what else there's to say, but um, yeah, my name is Courtney Reeves. I am from a small town in Utah, Utah, and have moved to a big city slash island city of Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah, I love my in-laws, love my husband, <laughs> and grateful to to learn from Christy. I'm so glad you're here. And because you're from Ephraim, I'm just I'm just wanting to clarify, is your dad a rancher? <laughs> <laughs> he is not. Uh, even though that's uh, all of Russ's friends. And that's a, that's great too, but he is not a rancher. <laughs> Ross is always cracking jokes about Ephraim, but the truth is his own mother comes from small town and my father actually was a farmer and I could I'm so proud of that. I love that about my dad. But thanks for being here, Courtney, and for being brave enough to have this conversation with me. Will you tell me, we're going to talk about perfectionism today, but do you want to tell why we're talking about it? Are you willing to? Yeah. So the other day I was listening to Christy's podcast and she started to talk a little bit about perfectionism and she gave a list of signs of perfectionism. Um, I'm going to read the list. I have it here on my phone, but... She read that what perfectionism looks like is all or nothing focusing only on results, procrastination, doing things out of fear of failure of what others will think of you, and being critical of self and others. And she read those, and I immediately texted her and was like, how could those be signs of perfectionism? Like, I have almost all of those things, <laughs> and to me, I portray that with myself of being lazy or that like that's how I feel like when I do those things it's because I'm lazy not because of perfectionism or those types of things since then I have realized a lot of areas where I'm like oh yeah I can see that now first of all Courtney your willingness to reach out and say what (laughs) what is that really what that is and what does that mean and how can I see that better like that is the first step of doing emotional work it is just to acknowledge, oh, wait a minute, I just heard something. I, 
I thought something was true. So my perception of my behavior felt like, oh, I'm just lazy or I'm all the things that you said about yourself. But that's not true. The truth is there's a reason why you're doing what you're doing. There's a reason why we all do what we do, why we respond the way we respond, why we react the way we react, why we don't react at times. There's a reason. And here's a little secret that might poke some places as as people are listening to this. Lots of times we don't want to ask why, because generally what's underneath there are life experiences that have created um, thoughts or beliefs about ourselves or others that we've wanted to avoid. So we don't like to go there. We don't like to say, why am I doing that? So you asking, why am I doing that is so beautiful to me. That is always a first step. So thank you, Courtney. And thank you again for being willing to come on the podcast and talk about it. So can you give me some like real life examples of ways after you saw that list where you connected, oh, I see this and I do this. So that could be that. Will you share some of those with us? Yeah, of course. So to me, originally what perfectionists looked like was someone in school that has the perfect notes all written in beautiful handwriting, <laughs> everything turned in on time, does above and beyond their their assignments and perfectly clean house. Those are what I thought perfectionism meant. Yeah. And then me, it seems like I have, those might be good areas of perfectionism to have a ha- clean house, but <laughs> for me, maybe I have the bad areas of perfectionism. <laughs> they don't benefit me. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> For me, I don't know, some examples I thought of, they're all silly ones. But when I go to say my nightly prayer, I'm like, okay, there is so much I can be grateful for. I could spend 45 minutes, what I'm grateful for, people I want to pray for, people in my life. And like, oh, there's too much. I I can't do it all. I either have to do it in 45 minutes, but I'm so tired. So I can't do it all. I'm just going to skip that. Or another. Hold up. Hold up. Stop right there. You said this might sound, did you say silly? That is anything but silly. I can guarantee you people are on their runs or doing their laundry or driving in their car, listening to this podcast, nodding their heads. If I can't do it, quote, if I can't pray right, I'm just not going to pray. Or I'll just like kind of wrote, say a few things and then go to bed. That is such a beautiful example of perfectionism. That's fear, right? Fear that I'm not going to do it right. Or fear that I won't say all the right things. When in reality, prayer is an invitation to connect with God. And fear disconnects us from that and tells us that there's a right or a wrong way to do it. So, I mean, you know me, Courtney. If someone says, you have to do it this way. If someone says you have to be buried in the ground, I'm going to say, I'll probably be, what's it called? <laughs> Cremated. Exactly. As soon as someone says you have to do something one way or another, something inside of me says, mm, I don't think so. Or, well, I don't know how to do it that way. So I'm not going to do it. So death probably wasn't the best place to go with that. <laughs> but As humans, we don't like to be controlled and we don't like to be told it has to be done a certain way. There are some things that have to be done a certain way. But perfectionism says, 
you're, if you don't do it the right way, then something's wrong with you. So that is not silly at all. That is so applicable to so many people's lives. Okay, keep going. Okay, another example that I'm thinking of is cleaning my house or making dinner. I'll, I'll sit on my phone and it's kind of a distraction. And I'm like, okay, once I get off my phone, then I'm off for the rest of the day. I have to put it away and I have to clean everything, everything in my house. I have to do my baseboards. I have to clean the cupboards. It just gets so overwhelming to me. So then I just sit on my phone and distract myself. And I'm not consciously thinking of that. But when I look back on it, it's like I, I didn't want to do all of that at once. So I just hit on my phone. Or... Another example, this one seems more silly to me, but I know not to use that word, <laughs> is um, my friends will post something on Instagram and I want to tell them they look pretty or I love their posts or whatever. But I see it and I'm like, oh, I got to think of the best comment. I'll come back to that later, which is so weird. And then I forget as they don't know that I like their picture and they don't talk to them for months and... Yeah, it just becomes a disconnect there too. It is not so weird. It is so actually human and we don't recognize. I'm guessing before we started talking about perfectionism, you had no clue that this was tied to anything other than just, well, I want to say the right comment or I, I want to clean my house, right? When you said I have to clean the baseboards, I literally looked at my baseboards. I thought, I've lived in this house for eight years. I don't think I've cleaned my baseboards. <laughs> so, but I show up in perfectionistic ways in other, in other ways. So those are beautiful examples of perfectionism. If I can't do it perfect, then I'm just not going to do it. Or I'll work all night long cleaning the house to make sure that I've done it perfectly right. Again, missing spaces and places where you could connect with yourself, with others, and with God. I really like the example of cleaning your house because so often our need to clean the house keeps us from connecting with the people that are in the house. Now, I'm a huge believer that clean houses are actually an important thing to have in our lives for people to be able to walk in to a space that feels safe. But perfectionism takes it to a different level. We're, we're mad at the people who live there. We often, you know, can't connect with them because we're busy cleaning. And so where you might not clean, some people, because of perfectionism, go the other direction mm -hmm. and spend so much time cleaning and um, organizing their lives. So inside of our need to do things perfect, we often will disconnect from ourselves. We don't notice when we need rest, when we need connection, when we need food. We'll disconnect from ourselves literally to make sure we do something perfect. Okay, so where does perfectionism come from? Great question. Um, they come from fear. They come likely from spaces in your life long before you ever needed to do well in your college course or show up really great at work or make sure your house was clean or whatever it is. Say the right comment on someone's post. Somewhere along the line, and all of us have this experience, but we start to believe that we have to prove our worth, that we have to convince people that we're okay or that we are enough. And so does that make sense? So if you were to write a comment on someone's post and it wasn't the quote right comment, then here's the question to ask yourself. 
what would it mean about me if I didn't leave a good comment? Or what does it mean about me if I don't clean my house well? Or what does it mean about me if I don't take perfect notes in school? Thoughts on that? No, I totally agree with what you were saying. As I was even saying it out loud while we were talking, it was just clear. This is just insecurity. And I, insecurity is something that I've always struggled with since I was really, really young. All of my friends, all of what they had, I was just always insecure. So I think that just always comes comes back to that. I'm insecure that I have to leave the right comment because all all these people are saying such nice things and yeah, like yes. word, word it so cute and yes, I, I don't know. It just all comes back to insecurity of of what they'll think of me and. Same with the clean house. I see that it's so easy for other people to just easily clean it and not have to have that stress behind it. So then I, I compare myself there. It all comes back to insecurity. Yes. And I love what you said, Courtney. Why is it so easy for them? When in truth, you have no clue why their house is clean, right? We, it's so easy to be like, oh, they're, oh, it's so easy for them. They may be going the other end of the cleaning spectrum, right? Like, I'll just clean, clean, clean and make sure. We have no idea. But that is... I love you so much because the, the acknowledgement that I'm insecure, I am afraid of what people think of me is really what insecurity is, right? I just want to say, yeah, yes, you're human. And lots of people would say, yeah, I don't really struggle with that. In fact, I hear that a lot from people who aren't really social people. They don't describe themselves as social. Yeah, I don't really care what people think of me, but guess what? Someone who's not social who says, I don't care what people think about me, it exposes I'm uncomfortable in places where I cannot control. Because if you're human, you're social. We are born, our brains are wired for connection. So your ability to say, I just feel insecure. You didn't know at two and five and seven and 10 and 14 and 18, you didn't know to say, oh, it's really normal to wonder what someone is thinking about me or to want to connect with someone and not know how to do that. And you also didn't know how to say what someone thinks of me is actually none of my business. And what I think of me and what God thinks of me is all that matters. Not, you know, what does the neighbor, you know this about me. And I know I've shared it on the podcast before. They can be perfect strangers. And I'm somehow like trying to manage myself. So they see me in a perfect way. The beautiful thing about having this conversation and hopefully about those who are willing to listen to the conversation, to the podcast and, and learn from it is that I hope you never again look at someone's post. No, you will have hundreds of times where you'll look at someone's post and think, you know, what should I say? But it's at that point, it's not that you should never have that thought again. It's that you would then say, Oh, hold up. I love John. He's been my friend. You know, we family friends forever. Hold on, is there a John in your life? <laughs> I, I can't. I gotta be careful here. But I'm so grateful for his friendship. I want to make sure that he knows, you know, that I care about what's happening in his life. And so we move it from what will John or all the other people think of me to how can I connect with this person? How can I help him know that I care about him or that I saw him? Does that make sense? Yeah. What other 
thoughts or questions do you have about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess I was just going to ask for it. How do you work on these things? So to reframe our thoughts, lots of people feel frustrated because they're like, I keep thinking those things. I feel frustrated at times. Like, why do I still have this thought? Or why do I still go into this pattern or this practice that I've done for so long? And the answer is because I'm human and because others are human. But the, the language that I like to use is I want to reframe that thought. I want to change that thought. So it's almost like these little thoughts are marching in front of you, past you. And when there's one like, oh, what would they think about Courtney? It's, I, I really appreciate you saying, I want to say the right thing on some, um, I generally am okay to say, hey, I love this or good job. But sometimes when someone's in deep trauma or lots of pain and they share something, they've lost a loved one or they're going through a divorce or lost a job or, you know, they're lost a pet or generally around deep pain, I feel a little frozen in those moments too. And I will think, I'll come back. And my experience is that I rarely go back to say, and I lose the opportunity to connect with people that I really care about. So thank you for bringing that up. So the reframe for me in that kind of a space would be, hold on, just acknowledge their wound. If you want to say more, you can text them, you can, you know, make another comment, but, but a personal boundary for ourselves. So instead of, oh yeah, I'll come back. And then we just keep repeating that behavior. We would hold a boundary and a boundary just says this is who I am this is what I'm okay with this is what I'm not okay with and it sounds like you're not okay with not responding to people that you care about does that feel true yeah yeah so a boundary would sound like when I want to make a comment I will not leave their page until I've commented on their experience I'm going to do that for a week I'm going to see how I feel and I have some Good news and bad news for you that it's going to feel really uncomfortable to you. It's actually going to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck now. I'm stuck. Or, you know, and hopefully you'll hope the phone rings or some distraction will come. But if you will just go into the discomfort, the beautiful thing is on the other side of the discomfort is freedom. It's Courtney Edith Eager, one of my all time heroes in life said, when you have something to prove, you are not free. And that's what's actually happening there, right? Like I have to prove that I'm giving the right comment or I have to prove that I'm a good friend or that I can speak right. Or when I have something to prove, I'm not free. Okay, so I, I know we can't go through every example, but help me reframe those other two examples. Okay, give them to me again. The one, the one with prayer. How do I accept that I have an amazing day? I have all these things to be grateful for. I could list every single one of them. How do I feel like I, I express that and not need to be saying a prayer for 45 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. simple things like that. Okay. I have a question for you before I do that. Okay. So I love that you could think of 45 minutes of things that you're grateful for. That, that might be, I'm not a saint, but I might be exaggerating that. <laughs> She's a, she has a crown on for the gratitude queen. <laughs> but here's my question. Do you feel comfortable or safe enough to talk to your father in heaven about things you're not grateful for? 
Are you willing to share the good, the bad, and the ugly in your prayers? Or does it feel like just the gratitude is where you struggle? I, I guess mostly the gratitude. I feel like there's something to pay back. I've been given, given all of this. How, how can I show that I'm grateful for? Yeah. So I, I guess just in that area. Okay. Okay. So as I think about that, I am thinking of myself as a mother. Okay, here's an example. You and Ross are here visiting this week. And the other night I had gone to bed and you guys had made something for dinner around 11 o'clock. <laughs> Which I, I think normal Hawaii time. <laughs> yeah, normal Hawaii time, exactly. And I came down and some of the dishes were done, but some of them weren't. And I was so happy. I just was so happy to have you. And I was cleaning up some of the dishes. And Ross came down and the first thing he said that morning was, Mom, thanks for cleaning up. The kitchen. We were. I. I. I was going to do that this morning. No part of me expected Ross to say, "Mom, thanks for the nine months that you carried me, and then you birthed me, and all the diapers you changed, and all the bottles you fed me, and all the nights you were up, and thanks for driving me to here and here." No part of me, when he said thank you for cleaning that, which was such a small little thing. I was just filled with like, oh, I love you. I'm so happy to help you. That felt like a joy to me to be able to do that for you tonight. Now, if Ross never did his dishes, this would be a different conversation, right? That is not the case. My point is, as a parent, zero part of me wants you to go through the whole list of things that I've ever done for you. And hopefully as a child, you don't want that from me either to be like, I'm thankful for all the times you were reading and all that. No, I just, none of that. It's just simply, thank you. It's an acknowledgement for something in my life. Does that connect for you? Like, I don't think God's up there like, oh, she missed three things. She didn't, she didn't acknowledge this that I did and this that I did. Yeah, totally. I think that was like the best example you could have given. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The goal isn't to do it right. The goal is to connect. When you Ross recognized that I had done something, which to me, it didn't even actually cross my mind. When he acknowledged it, immediately I felt a connection. Like, oh, you're welcome. I'm so happy to help you walk. I believe God is no different. He, he, he's not looking for the list. He's looking for the connection. So, so here's how you would reframe that. When it's like, oh, I'm tired. And maybe I got a lot of things to be great. I'm just, and so if this is me, it would sound like this, Christy, stop. And I would literally stop my brain because we have these like pathways in our brain. It's like, oh yeah, this is what I do here. I I go to all or nothing thinking and then I go to bed. And then I actually have a disconnect inside of myself because I actually want to connect with God. I want to be grateful. I want to show him that. So we're uncomfortable. And generally what some of us will do is then get back on our phone and scroll to appease the discomfort of what the choice we just made, right? So the reframe, it would be Christy, stop. The truth is I want to connect with God and I want to thank him for what he's given me. I'm not going to do it perfect. And I'm going to make some effort to connect and show gratitude to him. And then I would actually end it with this. Not end it, but just go as long as you want with, I matter. I'm worthy of love. I am a son or a daughter of God. I 
love him. I am grateful. And honestly, all of a sudden you're in your prayer and you're speaking to God and you're saying, I want to connect. You actually start speaking to him in that way. It's just a reframe from the from the distorted thoughts to the truth. And you can just go right in to your conversation with your father in heaven. Tell me how that feels. No, that's great. I, I agree with everything you said. I had one more um, question about that. I don't know. I don't know if it's even connects or whatever, but for me, when I'm feeling those feelings um, of perfectionism, I guess my biggest thing is getting on my phone and that distraction. And it seems like it puts me in a trance or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I can recognize them in my head, but it's like, it's just so hard for me to just, and I mean, that's a deeper problem. Obviously, I might be a little addicted to my phone, but I've heard people say like, I can count to three. When I get to three, it's done. I go do it. I, I've tried that. I mean, it does work sometimes, but do you, do you have an example? And it doesn't have to be your phone. It can be yeah. those examples of, I mean, I've seen it in some people where they go have a conversation with someone because they don't want to do the things they want to do. And I do that too. So it doesn't have to be your phone. I'm just saying those distractions. Is there an example that you can say? Such a good question. And you are so right. It doesn't have to be a phone. It can be, yeah. For me personally, I'm like, um, maybe I should call someone. Let's go on a bike ride or, you know, what? I'll, I'll go eat something. There's a lot of ways that we distract. I would say the one, two, three is great. And that helps you get done what you need to get done. But there's a reason you're distracted. So if you'll be really honest with yourself and say, what am I distracting from? Is it hard for me to go to sleep? I know lots of people go, go, go all day. I have no idea if this is applicable to you, but lots of people go, go, go all day. And when their mind and their body starts to slow down, that's an uncomfortable space for them because when we're go, go, going, we don't have to work through different thoughts and emotions and, you know, experiences that we've had throughout our day or in our life. And so you just get to stop and ask yourself, what am I distracting from? And am I uncomfortable? Like if I just put my phone down at night, is that uncomfortable for me? And then why? And then turn to Ross or someone that you trust and say, oh, this doesn't feel good. Like something feels uncomfortable here. Or like, you know, for me, I've said this before on the podcast, like I'll find myself in the pantry, not hungry at all, but looking for something to distract and kind of numb a feeling. And so I get to stop and ask myself, what am I distracting from? Am I feeling uncomfortable? Because I don't recognize that I'm uncomfortable. I just recognize I'm in the pantry, right? Or maybe you don't recognize that you're uncomfortable or that there's something that doesn't feel good. You just recognize I'm on my phone. And by the way, those apps, social media is absolutely like you're getting off and then something else pops up. And it's, it is absolutely made to keep you on there longer. Another, just another piece of this is our agency. Like we get to choose and how often do we just give up our agency to this app that keeps saying, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Connect for you. Totally. Yes. Okay. One of the most destructive things that comes from perfectionism is that we are actually never really seen for who we really are. 
because we feel like we have to prove our worth is really what we're doing. It is completely driven by shame and fear. And so when I ended, you know, when you said, how do I reframe it? And I said, but keep going. I'm enough. I matter. I'm worthy of love. I'm smart. I'm all the things that are just facts. Those are the things that we haven't really believed. We might know them but from our head, but we haven't connected them to our heart. So when we don't believe that people really know us or would really love us, if my, you know, baseboards weren't clean or if my kitchen was, you know, not clean, then we're, we're constantly hustling for our work. So is it bad to clean the, the baseboards? Is it bad to, you know, write nice notes in school? No. It's always about what is my motive. Always. Okay. So I love this quote by Timothy Keller. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known but not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. The reason we feel like we have to be perfect is because we're afraid of abandonment. So I don't know what your self-talk is like. And I don't know those who are listening to the podcast. I don't know what your self-talk is like. But if it is unkind, aggressive, um, not loving, then start there. Start with, you know, so you can hear it even sometimes like, yeah, my, like, what's wrong with me? Or why would I do that, right? What I mean when I say, be loving, be genuine, be, be gentle with yourself. It would sound like, oh, wow, that didn't feel good. Or I'm not sure why I do that. To be known and loved is to, a lot like being loved by God. Is has to start inside of you. Perfectionism isn't going to change because someone else loved you. In fact, your house could never be clean enough you could never give enough right messages on social media. You could never pray well enough to change your worth, your lovability. But we do it in an effort to confirm or convince ourselves and others that we're lovable. When we decide to let go of perfectionism, and honestly, that might mean, you know, I'll do one thing to clean my house every day or on Saturdays, I'll spend four hours or, but we let go. It might really be, I am going to be so uncomfortable. Here's an example of mine. Are you ready? When I get dressed in the morning, I grew up, I would come upstairs and my mom always would give a comment of, you look great. Or, oh, you're going to wear that. Or, oh, you know, like I, I, it's like I would come up for the review of what, if I, if it was okay or not. So as an adult, I, that is like, I was looking for that. Um, I had no idea I was looking for it. And um, one time I was getting dressed, I was like, oh, I can't wear that. that. That's a little tight in places I don't like showing. And again, I'm not saying wear clothes that you hate. I'm just saying for me to work on letting go of what other people think of me, I made a boundary for myself that if I put something on, I would wear it. Like if I tried it on in the morning, I would wear it, which was very painful for me because I was in the practice of trying on a few things, what looked the best. And I don't 
necessarily do that, but I also anymore, but I also don't have that huge fear of what is someone going to think about what I'm wearing today. And so that took work. That took boundaries on my part, wearing a shirt that was uncomfortable for me or a dress or a pair of pants or whatever. So whatever, when we notice ourselves being perfectionistic or I got to look right, I have to sound right. Stop and just say, okay, am I willing to go right at this, to walk right towards it? Does that make sense? Any questions or thoughts for it? No, totally. And I I love what you just said because I have that same thing. What what will people think of my outfit? Are they going to think I look cute? And I'm impressed by that. And that's something that I would love to do. I'm not. You know, saying it out loud, we're both going to have a huge vulnerability hangover after this. <laughs> we're going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> like, who did I just tell my deepest thoughts and feelings to? Courtney, thank you for saying that about yourself as well, because that, I promise you, the majority of human beings worry and think about these things. Many, many, if not most, are not conscious of those thoughts or feelings. That's the whole purpose of the podcast. So calling all perfectionists, come out. Like so often you'll hear people say, oh, I'm a perfectionist. But lots of times we're like, I know you're amazing. Right, we see it as a strength instead of a cover, and that's really what it is. It's a cover. It is fear disguised as um, something else, something different, and that's really what it is. So, if if you if we think of ourselves as a perfectionist, really, I really, really, really want to invite anyone to be willing to stop and ask yourself. What am I afraid of? What worth am I getting from showing up this way? Or again, we've talked about overdoing and you've talked a little bit about not doing, but this can go the total opposite direction to someone who doesn't take care of themselves physically, spiritually, emotionally, uh, socially, someone who shuts out all other people socially, that can be perfectionism as well. It can, it can be either end of the spectrum. Well, you know, some people say, I don't, I don't care what I look like. That's not true. You don't care about you. You're afraid that what someone will think about you if you care and you did it wrong. So you just, you know, there's a whole spectrum here. Um, I just love that you pointed out what perfectionism is often viewed as yeah. and that it's not viewed as these other types of things that should probably be worked on, that they're, they have deeper meaning. When we were about to start the podcast, I was feeling all nervous because I don't, I don't have the same type of knowledge that Chrissy does in this, in this area. So my Google search was, what is perfectionism? <laughs> and and the, it says, perfectionism is often defined as the need to be or appear to be perfect, or even to believe that it's possible to achieve perfection. It is typically viewed as a positive trait. Mm-hmm. And so just even looking it up on Google, when I think of perfectionism, I think of people that are viewed with all these perfect traits that, that you can tell that they do love to overdo it. But like I said at the beginning, I was feeling like, oh, I have the negative side of perfectionism. Yeah. I would have the positive yes. side. It, but even that positive side, there's things that are deeper. There's things to look at. And yeah, it's not just... They're so good at all of this. I just love that you acknowledge that. Yeah. Thank you, Corey. Truly, when we show up 
on the other side of it, um, like you just described, it is much harder to, uh, well, it's very hard to address because we've been, people have been cheering for us for so long. You're amazing. Look at what you do. It's almost like we get this dope. Well, not almost. We get a dopamine hit over do by doing things amazing. And again, doing something really well is wonderful. But what is my motive? And just so you know, like, I can do this. I, I do that a lot. Like, okay, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. At, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be. And as soon as I just notice, like, I'm needing approval or I'm afraid of what someone's going to think or fear of failure, then I can just say, okay, stop. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm changing my motive. My motive is to create a space, you know, let's say I'm throwing a big party, to create a space where people can connect. My, you know, and this is what would happen in my head. I'm throwing this party so people can connect and because I love them. And then the next thought will be, they're going to love this food. They are just going to love this. And then I can say, stop. The truth is, I do love to use food to connect with other people. And I like to cook it and create it. And they matter to me. So notice how I would go in and out of the distortion and the truth. And I just get to keep saying, stop, stop. Because most of us are really practiced at staying in that thought pattern. Courtney, I'm going to ask you, I want you to think about this. And then I, I have one more thought about why it's so important to be willing to address perfectionism. My question to you is, what could, how could someone do the work this week based on things that we've talked about this week? I want you to think about that as I just make this final comment that perfectionism when we are unwilling to look at it and address us, we will never really believe that we are lovable or seen and heard by the people even that we love the most because we'll believe we have to prove to them our goodness or, and it disconnects us. So again, calling all perfectionists and even maybe even if you don't think of yourself as a perfectionist, call someone, call someone you really trust. You see perfectionist tendencies. I would never have called myself a perfectionist. I can easily be distracted. I, um, you know, on the spot, I'm, I'm willing to drop things if I need to. And it wasn't until a friend said to me several years ago, do you think I, I, there was something I didn't want to finish? I was procrastinating something. She said, could that be perfectionist? I'm like, oh, I am not a perfectionist. You don't know me well enough. I'm not a perfectionist. And as I learned about perfectionism, I was like, she was spot on. I was not, I was procrastinating because what if I can't do it right? That wasn't what was conscious in my head, but I was looking for anything to not have to do something that would then have an ending point where someone could judge it. So, okay, Courtney, what, how can someone do the work this week after listening to our podcast? Um, I'm going to say, just recognizing those areas um kind of maybe i'll maybe i'll read that list that you posted yeah, again um, what does profession perfectionism kind of hard time with that word <laughs> <laughs> look like all or nothing thinking focusing only on results procrastination doing things out of fear of failure or what others think of you and being critical of self and others and there's other ways of course maybe more you. yeah yeah um, but I think just recognizing those areas, we, we started talking and three minutes in, I was like, okay, 
I can see this is my insecurity. I can see that this comes from this. And I mean, there's obviously more things that we addressed in there, but I think just even focusing on that, that, that first part of, of why am I doing this? Where is this coming from? Is it because I'm insecure? Is it because I think just trying to address that first and those other things that we talked about in the podcast, those, those come after. So if that's, that's the first step that you need to take and that's something the first step I'll need to take, then do that first. So beautiful, Courtney. Thank you from the bottom of my soul for having this really vulnerable conversation. These kinds of things are not easy to talk about a lot of times. And so I just really appreciate you being willing to have the conversation here. I love your heart. I love so many things about you. So grateful that you're part of us. And thank you to all of you that have listened, that you felt we would invite you to share this with anyone that you think it would be helpful for. And we really appreciate reviews and ratings if you're willing to do that as well. You will have many choices in your day and week. We hope, can I speak for you, Courtney? Good. We hope you'll choose to do the work. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.